0: Welcome to the modern warrior podcast I am your host Gavin Meenan and on this podcast I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger healthier and more confident man in today's world hello and welcome to episode number 47 of the modern warrior podcast today I'm joined by Larry Hagner Larry is the host of the dad edge podcast an absolutely brilliant podcast for all you men and dads listening to this go and check it out he's had some incredible guests such as Matthew McConaughey he's had Bedros Cullian he's had who else has he had he's had Jocko Woolink some incredible guests here. And not only that, but he has a lot of his own uh, episodes uh, and absolutely packed full of value for all you dads and men out there. So go check that out. He's also the dad of four boys, the CEO of the dad edge and founder of dad edge Alliance. Can't wait to get stuck into this with you, Larry. How are you doing my
1: man? <laughs> Gavin, I'm good, man. How are you?
0: I am very well. Thank you very much.
1: Doing my best keeping the head up moving forward as always very good man well um, you know over here in the states you know where we think the world revolves around us uh, you know we're, we're always we're, we're the people over here man we, we we like we like accents you know we, we think they're pretty cool you know and uh, it, it was always I actually had a, a good friend of mine who was from Scotland back in college and it was funny man like no matter what bar we went to like it, all he had to do is speak like four words to a girl and she just would follow him around the bar the whole night so <laughs> it was you know it's always fascinating over here when when you don't have people who talk like we do over here yeah so and we and, yeah. uh, yeah. were fascinated by the accents
0: Brilliant. yeah likewise I, I actually get a lot of uh guests from from america from the states as uh yeah, like i i introduced myself to uh people on that side of the of the country just uh, i do feel that people in different regions of the world have various perspectives on on life and of of the challenges of life so sometimes we get caught up in our own perspectives and our our own way of thinking in this country so it's nice to sort of bring in someone else from a different area of the world and and hear from their side uh, based on their experiences and based on on their life as a whole so so yeah and like that's what i'd love to talk to you about the dad age Alliance. So, tell us what the Dad Edge Alliance is all about and what's going on there.
1: Yeah, so the Dad Edge Alliance—that's our mastermind platform for fathers and husbands. Uh, we we have we have actually have a few guys in there who aren't married and don't have kids, but they they really like our message and what we do for men. Uh, but for the most part, I would say like ninety-eight percent of the guys in there, you know, they're they're married and and have kids. Uh, really, what it is is it's a band of brothers, right? And what we do in that group. Is we host mastermind sessions, virtual mastermind sessions every single week. We have thirty-five mastermind sessions per week, uh, seven days a week, uh, morning, afternoon, and evening. And uh, what we do in that group is it's a community of like-minded men who gather virtually. And what we do is is we help them what we call not balance. I honestly think anybody who sells you a bag of goods that says you can balance life just run the other direction. We don't we don't do that. But we do help men optimize five areas of their life. Uh, one of them being creating an extraordinary marriage. Most of us have no idea how to do that, right? We're we're literally winging it. I mean, like y- your background. You and I got to know each other for a few minutes before doing the call. I too come from a health background, personal training. I actually have a four year degree in health and exercise science with a minor in nutrition. And you know, marriage to me was a lot like if I were to go be a personal trainer with none of that education and no certifications whatsoever. And maybe I walked into a gym a few times. Maybe I got on the treadmill threw around some weights, maybe thought I knew what I was doing, but that's what marriage is really like. If you really think about it, our society kind of does set us up for, I would, I would honestly say failure because there really is no training ground for communication, connection, intimacy, psychological safety, you know, uh, self care, self care is a very important element in a marriage, right? And a lot of guys, what we do is we we throw that out as soon as we get married, start having kids. Like, oh, I can't take care of me anymore. I got to take care of everybody else. You know, then there's the partnership, the partnership aspect of. There's four elements, by the way, to an extraordinary marriage. There's self care, partnership, friendship, lovers. But the partnership aspect is is keen because it's it's the area that is the business side of our marriage. So it's the bills, the chores, it's the roles. You do this, and I do that. And the funny thing is, is, that's where about half the arguments start because that's where expectation lies. You know, it's like, why am I doing the dishes? Isn't it her turn? Or why am I cooking dinner again? Isn't it his turn? So we, we, that's where resentment is actually birthed is in that partnership loop. Cause we have, we have expectations there. You know, the third element is friendship and the fourth is lovers. And if you're a man listening to this podcast, I don't have to explain that to you. But if you look at those four pillars, kind of like a Greek column, right? The four pillars, that foundation sits on what I like to call elevated communication and connection. So basically communication skills, men and women, just quite honestly, we speak different languages. We just do men are thinkers, women are feelers. That's not to say that uh, women aren't thinkers and that's not to say men aren't feelers, but for the most part, when we're communicating, men think very logically right? And, for, and a lot of, t- that's not always the case, but a lot. Women are more emotional and that's fine. That, that's part of the, the beauty of them, right? And they also do think logically, but when they're trying to connect with us in an emotional way, sometimes we try to reconnect with them in a logical way. So like perfect example of this is if your wife starts venting to you and you immediately start telling her how she can fix the problem, Right. I don't know if you've ever seen the video. It's not about the nail on YouTube, but it's absolutely hysterical. If after this, you should Google that it's hilarious, but it's the woman basically venting like, Hey, here's where I'm at. This is my issue. This is my problem. Here's my day going, whatever it is. And the guy immediately basically is like, well, you should, well, you should do this and you should do that. And here's how we can, how I can help. And, and we think it's a massive disservice if we don't help. And all the while she's like, you're not even hearing me. of course I'm hearing you. I'm telling you what I think you should do. No, you're not. So Uh, there's a huge miss there just in that one element. So that's marriage, obviously connection with your kids, uh, being a optimal leader in your family and your business and your health, also optimizing physical, mental, emotional health and mastering your finances. So I, I've said all five, but I deep dove on the marriage one, because that is the one that if I just look at like the applications for dad edge Alliance, eight out of 10 men who apply to be a part of our group, that's what's on their mind and heart they want to optimize that relationship with their wife mm-hmm.
0: yeah the marriage is the foundation for everything else the marriage foundation for the connection with your kids the marriage foundation for perhaps your your business career um for income for your livelihood really so a marriage is a partnership so it's yes. i think this is something that a lot of male men sort of fall prey to as well is this sort of lone wolf syndrome, I'm sure you've come across it before, where the man takes on all the problems and all the issues on himself and he he will try and solve the problems himself. He sort of isolates himself from his wife, he isolates himself from his friends and he's out there on his own uh, trying to navigate the world and the challenges of it on his own and ultimately will get stuck in a rut very, very quickly and then has no one to turn to because he's disconnected himself from all those who've been there for him and when it comes to this like this is something i can relate to i'm speaking about myself here ultimately and i'm speaking about a lot of men that i myself work with it does come from some sort of conditioning from from the past you know from my perspective sure. you know, my dad wasn't always there available to help me what sort of problems and, and issues in my life i was left to solve a lot of those issues and problems out on my own not that he did that intentionally but just a different way of thinking different way of living he was i could say a workaholic had good intentions at heart in terms of providing for the family but didn't provide that emotional support for me when i needed it so i sort of internalized these problems and and tried to solve them out on my own which obviously led to a lot of mistakes and and issues however with well, that, that self-awareness, I took that with me onto relationships, onto friendships, to the point where only five years ago, I perhaps only realized this and I started to deep dive into myself and understand, okay, what is going on here? Why have you got no friends? Why is your marriage breaking up? Why are you so isolated from everybody else? Why do you not let anybody in? So, that is... To me, is like there, there's there's a root to all of these of these problems, these struggles. It's not the it's not the marriage that created the problems. The marriage perhaps, perhaps perhaps exposed these problems, or your wife will expose these problems that that are within you, or this pain, or this or this untapped trauma that's within you. And is that something that you find with, with the men you work with? That it's, it's not about here. There's plans and here strategies. To help you overcome your struggles today do x y and z and you move forward or is it here hang on a second we need to go back here and revisit your past we need to start to understand your relationships with your parents with your father with your mother start to peel apart some of the pain that you've not processed or is that necessary
1: man you said so much there that how old are you by the way i'm 37 am i yeah okay (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're uh i'm not i'm actually not that much older than you but you you come across to me as like a, what what we i don't know if you guys ever heard this quote in in ireland but we uh and it's a compliment we call people an old soul hmm. have you ever heard that
0: yeah i have yeah i have
1: been, yeah so and, an old, an old an old soul is somebody who comes across as wise beyond their years you know uh, pretty, uh, has, has high emotional IQ and then like is able to articulate some life experiences pretty clearly and that kind of thing. And you did that beautifully. <clears throat> Let me first address the lone wolf thing. Many men have this perception of I'm strong. I'm the lone wolf. I can handle life on my own. Most people don't understand the lone wolf's destiny. And if they did, they probably wouldn't be so proud to say, yes, I'm alone. I'm strong. Like a lone wolf. The lone wolf isn't strong there's two outcomes. There, there's one outcome and there's two situations for the lone wolf. Okay. But the outcome is the same. The lone wolf has either grown to the age and he's maybe injured or he's holding the pack back, or he knows it's close for him to basically punch his card and he's going to die. So he leaves the pack to go die on his own, or the wolf has lost the pack could have been something chaotic that happened or a situation or whatever, but either way the wolf has lost the pack and now he's vulnerable to other predators and he's either going to starve to death or he's going to be killed. Either way, there's not a happy ending for the lone wolf. I think a lot of people, if they really, really understood the lone wolf, they wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm a lone wolf. I'm strong. Lone wolf is not strong. The lone wolf will die. And the pack is strong because of the wolf and the wolf is strong because of the pack. And that's the same thing with men and tribe. You know, have you ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, movie in the 90s, right? Tim Robbins goes to jail for a crime he didn't commit. And one of the worst punishments, actually the worst punishment at Shawshank was isolation. They called it the hole, right? Tim Robbins did a stint of 60 days in the hole. They gave him 30 days and then he, you know, didn't really have the come to Jesus moment that the warden wanted him to have. So he put him in there for another 30. So that's a long way to say that when you put a man in isolation, it's hell. Okay. And here's the funny thing about Shawshank. He had his band of brothers in Shawshank. There was about five of them. There's Morgan Freeman, there's Brooks, and there was a couple other guys and, and they were all tight. They were in one of the worst environments known to man. They were eating terrible food with maggots in it. You know, they had maybe an hour or two to go outside, but they had one thing and that was each other. They had each other's back. They had the best interest in mind. They challenged each other. They were respectful. They had a bond. And despite their environment, they did the best they could with thriving. Now, if they didn't have that, there would have been, you know, that's that's where men go crazy. This is where men like kill themselves. They don't find their purpose. They don't have their tribe. And so men need a tribe. So let me explain a couple of things. You know, Our dads, and I I came from (laughs) a crazy childhood. My my mom was married three times. Her and my biological father were married for five years. When I was about one, they got divorced. And I'll make this really short. Um, I didn't know my dad at all. My mom got remarried three more times from the time I was basically one till the time I was 18. She dated several men in between. Every guy was the same guy, just a, a drunk, an alcoholic, physical, mental, emotional abuser, every guy, except for my biological father. I had a very short, brief relationship with my biological father when I was 12. It's because I ran into him by accident and we hung out for like six months and he had a two-year-old son. He was married, another one on the way. After about six months of us hanging out, he was like, Hey, it's, it's me. It's not you. It's a bad time for me. Boom. We parted ways. That was a really dark time for me. And I failed the eighth grade. Had to do eighth grade twice. I mean, I literally just gave up on life. Went away to high, you know, went to high school, went away to college, got my degree, was in the, was in the sale, medical sales profession for a while, uh, 30 years old. I'm in a coffee shop here in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live in the States and who came walking in, I was there for a business meeting and who came walking in to get his morning coffee, but my biological father and I hadn't seen him since I was 12. So here we are 17 years later, I have a relationship with my dad. Okay. So I have a lot of past trauma, right? And here's the difference to answer your question about like, you know, what do we do with members and and what, what men face with, you know, I I really didn't understand for a long time what the role of counseling was and what the role of coaching was. And now I really do know. So the role of a good counselor, right. Is to help you unpack and heal from past trauma. Right. They don't necessarily, I mean, yes, they focus on the future but one of their, their biggest area of expertise is helping you get through the past, right? Coaching on the other hand is different. Coaching is, Hey, how can we go co-create the future that you truly want despite your past? Right. So we don't necessarily, we don't have the expertise. We don't have, you know, the four, four four-year degrees, the master's in, in counseling and all that good stuff to help men unpack trauma. But what we can do is we help men create the future that they truly want. Right. And we teach them skills to do that. Um, yeah, and here's what I'll say also about your point with, uh, growing up with fathers and maybe perhaps even the dialogue that we had growing up, you know, a lot of men who are your age and my age, we, we grew up with dads who are more providers, like physical providers. They were physically there and then they put food on the table and you know, that, that was like their job. Right. And to be honest, I think that they really identified with that job because that's how they were raised. Right. Each generation really tries to do something better, right? For the most part. If you're looking at the generation of dads now, you know, me and you, we're like, oh, no. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing this different. All right. I'm not only going to physically show up, I'm going to mentally and emotionally show up. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there for breakfasts. I'm going to be there for dinners. I'm going to be there to talk to my kids. I'm going to have conversations with them. I'm going to guide them. I'm going to lead them. But here's the, here's the miss, right? My dad didn't show me how to do that, but how do I do it? So here now we have this generation right now where you and I are in, where guys are like so freaking hungry, man. We're like, please give me the information. Give me the roadmap because I want to do it different. I just don't know what it looks like. And they're begging for it, right? But that's exactly what we do. So to answer your question, here's one of the biggest roles of of a father, okay? Now I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. They're my two elders. We have what's called the bigs and the littles. We have 15 and 13 and we have eight and five. Now, one thing that I've done in this house, and and listen, I'm not good at a lot of things. (laughs) My my kids make fun of me all the time that I'm like the worst handyman on the planet, which I am, but I am good at leading my kids in some areas, not all, but some. One of the things that I do know how to do is create an environment of psychological safety. And a lot of people are like, well, what does that even mean? That means that your kids feel comfortable telling you everything, the good and the bad right? And there's ways that you create psychological safety. And you, you talked about this with your own dad, like, Hey, emotionally, my dad necessarily just, it sounds like he probably just didn't maybe know how to do it. Right. Therefore, if I don't know how to do it, I'm not going to do it at all. And that's pretty much the camp I was in. Right. So, which is, that's not a great way to approach it either, but it's better than like, I'm only not going to do it, but I'm going to do the opposite and be really abusive but how you can create an environment of psychological safety is talk every day. And I'll, I'll give you like the easiest way to do this. Like the easiest I'm talking like third grade level, right? Cause men love to overcomplicate things. I'll give you three questions. I'll give you and your listeners three questions. You can ask your kids every day and I'll give you the psychology behind each question. Okay. Now, how old is Mason for you? Mason's four. Okay. So he's in preschool or no.
0: Yeah. Preschool. Yeah. Yeah. Montessori would be called here.
1: Okay. Okay. So is he, a, I mean, obviously he, I mean, I have a five-year-old, so is he, he's my five-year-old. If I ask him how his day was, he's like, you know, he kind of tell me, right. Yeah. But let me ask you this. What question do you ask your wife when you see her for the first time after you get home from work?
0: <laughs> how was your, how, how was work
1: today? Yep. How was work today? And what'd she saying?
0: Yeah, it was busy. It was great. It was terrible. One of those phrases. I know where you're going with this, (laughs) though. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So let me give you this. So that's what we call a default question. How was your day? Everybody asks that. How was your day? You know, how's life? Right. We ask it all the time. Good, fine, busy. Right. Uh, Now, I'll give you three questions that you can ask your kids because a lot of guys do the same thing with kids. How was school? How was your day? You can't get the same answers every day. So if you ask different questions, quality of our life and the quality of our relationships depends on the quality of the questions we ask ourselves and each other. So if you ask your, if you ask your kid, like, let's just say, let's just fast forward till Mason is eight, right? Or your wife. Now you could say, Hey, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question the same way I'd ask it, because there's something to be said about voice tone. 90% of our verbal communication is the tone of voice that we use. It's the tone of voice we use. So when my son comes home, I'd be like, Hey man what was the best part of your day to day? And tell me why it was so meaningful to you right now. What happens is most of the time, especially my 13 year old, he's in eighth grade. He, he, he's one of those kids. I used to hate kids like him growing up. He's, he doesn't have to study. He gets good grades, great looking kid. He's ripped. And I'm like, God, I hated people like you because I was the fat kid growing up. Right. So to him, school is kind of boring. He's like, boring you know and it's easy for him to do good grades so i'm like hey what was the best part of your day and tell me why it was so meaningful and he'll so what that person has to do your kid or your wife is that now they have to search for the gratitude in the day they have to search for the high point moment cuz just as we are in the habit of saying how was your day they're in the habit of giving you that one word answer so when you ask that question they now have to story tell and they now have to story tell from a gratitude perception and they could say something like dad Yeah, actually, you know what? I scored the winning goal in soccer today during PE. Man, that's amazing! Like, that must have felt amazing. Tell me more. How did that feel, Dad? It actually felt on top of the world, man. Like, like all these guys were high fiving me, and it was just, it was awesome, man. I, I just really, it was, it was a cool moment. Now, as I tell you this story, you just lit up. When I asked my son that story, he lights up. So, what happens when you bring somebody to a level? of communication with you where you uplift them. Now they feel uplifted and connected more to you. What you're also teaching from a psychological standpoint with that question is to teach someone how to dig into that gratitude. Cause most of us are, you know, we're, we're focused on the bad things that have happened that day. So that's the first question. The second question is, I love asking this of kids. If you ever want to, constantly put a daily deposit in like, man, I hope when this kid's a teenager, he'll tell me everything, you know, that he's tempted with drugs, he's having sex, or he, you know, he got in that car accident, or he drove drunk that day, whatever, right? Doesn't matter. I'll ask, I'll be like, hey, Mason, I'm using my Mason, because you have a Mason. I'll be like, hey, Mason, tell me something you failed at today. What'd you learn? Now, I didn't say, Mason, what'd you? what did you do bad at today? I said, tell me something you failed at today. And what'd you learn? Now you can tell by my voice, it's, it's a curiosity inflect up, right? So I'm curious, like, Hey, just tell me, right. It that, that voice tone creates some psychological safety and the way I asked the way, way I use the words. So now he has to think about something he doesn't want to tell me, or maybe he doesn't even want to say out loud. And he'll be like, Ugh, well, I, I, I did get a D on the science test today. And now as a dad, I probably knew that science test was coming. I probably reminded him to get off his phone and study. And there's that part of me of like, dude, I told you you needed to study. I told you that. Like, why did you get on your phone? Why were you talking to the girl you were talking to when you could have been studying? That's that's on my mind. Right. But I'm not going to say that. Kids will tune us out when we start to lecture. I'm not saying don't lecture. There's a time and a place to lecture, but it's more powerful for the kid or the person you're talking to, for them to search for their own lessons out of that, right? And all you have to do is guide them. So like he might be like, Yeah, I got a D on the science test. Oh yeah, okay, tell me more. Now I didn't say, what do you mean you got a D on the science test? What's wrong? What's wrong with you? Why'd you do that? Be like, okay, tell me more. Yeah, man, I got a D on the science test. Like there were actually questions on the science test that I didn't think were going to be on there and they were on there. So I guessed at them and yeah, I just I don't know, like, you know, there, there's another one in a couple weeks and I guess I'll do better. Okay. Um Well, let me ask you this, given that information that sounds like there were, there were questions on there that you weren't planning on, what do you, what would you have done different, you know, knowing that now? And he'll, he'll think, and he'll be like, I didn't really study that hard, to be honest. Um, I probably would have taken a little bit more time to study, especially like chapter five. That's where those questions came from. So I probably would have just been more focused with my studying. Like, oh, okay. Well, Hey man, great lesson learned. And you said you have another test in two weeks. Yeah, I do. Okay with the information that you told me, what would you do different? Well, I probably study harder and I probably do my due diligence on really understanding what chapters I'm going to be tested on and make sure I hit those chapters. Okay. Well, how can I best support you? And what can I do to help you out? Do you need me to hold you accountable to study? Do you need me to quiz you? What feels right, man? Now notice I said, what feels right? I like to use feeling words with kids, not what do you think might be right? Because kids a lot of times think with feel, right? And they'll be like, you know, dad, I just just check in with me every night that week of the test and just make sure I, number one, I studied, or if I need you to quiz me, I'll tell you. Okay, great. So I didn't have to lecture a thing. All I did was guide him. And he told me something that he didn't want to, and I didn't blow up at him. All I did was ask him high level questions to get him thinking. Now, the psychology behind that is there's two things. Number one, you're creating a kid who isn't so afraid, you're raising a kid that isn't so afraid of failure, like failure to a kid, especially telling his dad or mom is devastating, right? They don't want to tell you that. So you're, you're raising a kid that looks as failure as an opportunity to learn, right? So they're not deathly afraid of failure when they get older, right? Fail forward. The other thing you're doing there too, is you're, you're instilling a growth mindset, not a fixed one. And then the final thing that they're learning, I know I said two, but there's three. You're creating an environment of psychological safety. If your kid has to tell you every day something that they failed at and you don't blow your lid, well, what do you think they're going to do the first time they want to have sex with a girl or the first time that they're either tempted with drugs or try drugs or the first time that they drink? Or who are they going to call when they've had too much to drink when they're 17 years old and they're tempted to either get behind the car, which they're terrified to do it, or which one are they going to be more terrified to do to call dad and be like, hey, dad, I really need a ride. Heck yeah, man. I'll be right there. So that's psychological safety. And then the last question is this, and it's very easy. Um, what are you most excited about tomorrow? Now, I love that question because that puts the kid or the person you're speaking to back into gratitude, which elevates the conversation right back to where it was high level. The cool thing about that is if anybody like yourself or your listeners, if they like to watch Netflix, which everybody does, Netflix has this great psychological thing that they do when you're binge watching your favorite show is like, they leave that teaser. Right. And then the next episode is going to start in nine seconds and you see that countdown happening and you're like, I should really turn it off. Cause I have all this stuff to do, but I'll just watch the first five minutes and then you've watched five more episodes. Right. Well, that last question is the Netflix to be continued because when they come home, if, if your kid says, yeah, tomorrow, dad, I got, I got that presentation. I've been working really hard at for cultural geography. I got that tomorrow. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, when he comes home from school, hey man, how did your presentation go? In that voice tone, super interested, really engaged. How did that? How did that presentation go, man, Dad? When I mean, how do you think that kid's going to feel towards you if those are the interactions that he has versus like how was school? Good, right? I mean, it's a such a more connected conversation that creates such a bond, and it gets them thinking differently as you're raising them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible, man. I've got to take note of that. Write those questions down and ask them on a daily basis. And uh yeah, what what I was thinking there as you were as you were uh telling me about all that. Um incredible. Thank you for sharing that. But a lot of this has to come it's coming from you as a father, and you've gotta be in a very stabilized emotional place in order to be able to handle your child's or your or your children's emotional state uh, on a daily basis because they're going to come at you with what certain challenges and questions and difficulties and if you're not looking after your own your own self and your own difficulties and your own problems first then that's going to transfer on to them which i have done myself i'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination i'm sure many others have done so and i've you know i may have some sort of anger or some problem that's not being solved and I'm holding that within the kid comes home and I'm agitated or I'm angry but it's not about them it's 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 me it's it's yeah it's my attitude today because I didn't sort this out so beneath all of this you've got to make sure that you're in a, a very a stabilized place before you can actually speak to your your children and and converse with them and and help guide them throughout the day and and their their life ultimately so is that something you're very uh, consistent with i'm sure you are from your own perspective in terms of look it's me first i get up before the kids i do x y and z to make sure i'm grounded make sure i'm i'm gonna i'm feeling grateful for the day i'm not dragging problems with me from yesterday i'm not going to the day on reactive mode i'm going to the day with high level productivity and, uh, I'm optimized. So what are some of your daily practices or what are some of your insights to establish that point first? So you can be in a better place for your children and for life.
1: Yeah. So, um, first of all, I love the question. I, I just, <clears throat> so I launched a course about a year ago. It's called creating more patients. It's a masterclass for patients for dads. Um, it's over on our website. And basically, so doing this work for so long with men over, I mean, literally since 2014, you know, what is it? When I ask the question, what is it you struggle with most? I could, I can answer before they do at this point, patience. And it's not just patience with external factors. So here's the psychology behind it. It's not just patience with external factors. Like your kids, you, you nailed it. Your kids are acting a fool, right? And they're acting out, they're doing something that's really testing you. Well, depending on what happened to us to that day or how resilient we are, uh, we have, we already are internally triggered, right? So there's external things that are testing us, but there's internal things that are testing us. And depending on the day, we can have higher rates of internal stresses than normal. So some days we can handle it and some days we can't, but to answer your question, I think it really centers around consistency, right? So nobody really tells you how to be more patient. In fact, one of the things I got to tell you, man, I can't, I can't stand it. If I see one other guy say man up, don't get me wrong. There's a time and a place for that. When I'm working out and I'm like freaking like trying to push some weight. And I know like my workout partner's like, come on, man, grow a set of balls. Let's do this shit. Right? Like, I'm like, yeah, man, hell yeah, let's do this. Right. But if I'm, if I'm really struggling, like, Hey guys, I'm really struggling with like, I'm trying to be more resilient with my kids. I'm trying not to blow up with them. And like, but sometimes like they're just pressing my buttons. I don't know exactly what to do. And if you say, if a guy says man up, man, you just got to freaking do it. That's like going to your doctor and you getting blood work and your doctor looks at your blood work and was like, all right, Gavin, I need you to get healthy. And you're like, uh, well, what's wrong with me? Just get healthier. You need to get healthier. Well, what, do I have diabetes? Do I have cancer? Do I have high cholesterol? Am I overweight? Obviously not, but like, um, and you're like, you know like, what? Don't worry about it. Just go be better, man. Come on. And you would look at your doctor and be like, well, thanks for the help, jackass, right? <laughs> it's not specific. So first of all, it's really understanding what is patience. It's emotional resiliency at its finest is really what it is, right? Now to answer your question, I do have a routine. So num- number one, I know what my triggers are. I know that fitness, like, man, I don't know if I've gone a week unless I've been sick out of the gym since I was 17 years old, right? So I get up at 4 a.m. every day. Um, well, not every day. I, I do take off on Wednesdays. I just sleep a little later, just kind of re- recover on some sleep. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, I wake up a little later and I train with one of my boys. Um, Sundays and Wednesdays, I take the day off, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 4 a.m. Now, if I don't get that self-care in and I, I go to the gym, I have the same routine on those days. I go to the gym. I don't check social media. I don't check my phone. Listen, if you are checking your phone in the first 60 minutes that you're up, yeah, say, wave goodbye to your patients for the day. Okay. Just see ya, right? It's not going to work. And guys are like, what do you mean? Like, listen. Listen. That device will trigger you. It will trigger your amygdala. Your amygdala is that part of your brain that's fight or flight. Now, just because you see someone on your phone, that doesn't mean you're going to fight someone. It doesn't mean you're going to freeze or flee. But what happens is you get tiny triggers, right? Sometimes, and a lot of people use it for their alarm clock. They open it up, they're like, Oh crap, I have 17 unread text messages. Immediately you haven't even been up for 30 seconds. You already feel behind. Oh my God, I have all I got to catch up on these. Oh, wait a second. I just swiped right. I saw the news of the day. Biden just threw out another mask mandate. Holy shit, the world's coming to an end. Wait a second, let me look at my stocks. Oh crap, one of my stocks just plunged. You haven't even made it to the shower yet. And now your day is like, well, oh, like this day sucks. Like don't check your phone. That's the bottom line. That's one of the things I teach in the class. Is have a solid morning or have a solid morning routine. One of them is do away with the phone for at least 60 minutes. So I move my body. That is I can I call it working out the demons. I freaking go crazy in the gym, like not crazy, but like I push myself really damn hard. And I do that because I look at it as like I am wringing out like a washcloth, my stress for the day proactively. And that to me is so therapeutic. I mean, yes, it's got great physical benefits, but my mental and emotional, like that's why I'm there. Uh after that you know, I come home, I'm home by 6:45 in the morning and I take my two oldest boys to school. So I'm able to have conversations with them. I would I don't have to get up at 4 a.m. I could easily just sleep in and take them to school, but I want to be in that clear headspace when they're in my car. Um I do some praying. I do I do 10 minutes of Wim Hof breathing, you know, make sure I'm fully oxygenized. I don't check I, people think that this is crazy. I don't check my phone until 8 a.m. I just don't. Like I, I don't want to be in that headspace. Like I have I have all day to put out fires. I don't want to do it any earlier than I have to. Um, so that's rule number one. You've got to put on your own oxygen mask in the morning, find some sort of morning routine that fills you up, that gets you ready for the day. And for the love of God, don't check that phone for 60 minutes, no matter how much you're tempted. I swear to God, whatever it is, it can wait. So that's number one. Number two, bad things are going to happen. And w- one of the most foundational things that we can do, I interviewed uh, Mark Devine, who's a, a former Navy SEAL commander. Uh, he is, He's a huge fan and an advocate of breathing. He has this quote, which is, um, your mind is the kite and the breath is the wind. Your mind is the kite and your breath is the wind. So in other words, your mind can be you know, calmed if you understand how to calm that wind. So I'm a big advocate on diaphragm breathing, you know, making sure, cause a lot of us are chest breathers when you're breathing through your chest all throughout the day, which most of us do, we're actually agitating the sympathetic nervous system, which the, which is the fight or flight system, which is just going to it's like death by a thousand cuts of your patients just all day long. That's why guys don't understand like, man, when I come home, like, why is it that I have such a short fuse It's because you've done all of the things that I teach in that class, you've done all these things all day long that does nothing more than agitate that. And then you come home and you wonder why you're blowing up at your kids. Now, if you wanna just know some really quick, easy hacks, right, to, to not blow up at your kids or to not lose your patience, what what a lot of times what we need is to just simply create some space. And sometimes it's three to five seconds. That's it, three to five seconds. So if my kids are acting a fool, like if I've told my kids three times, Hey, it's time to get ready for bed. And they're just not listening. And I just want to be like, I just want to blow up. What I will do sounds crazy. I will wiggle my left thumb while I try to wiggle my right pinky toe. Sounds really cheesy, right? But try to do it. If you're listening to the show, try to do it. It's absolutely hysterical. You almost can't help but smile, but it's really helpful. Basically what I did there is I completely and totally distracted myself from the chaos and I created space between reaction and response. The likelihood of me blowing up after I just give myself just that little bit of three to five seconds is very low because what I've just done is I'm like, I okay, I know what he's doing. Now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get down to his level and say, hey man, it's time to get ready for bed. And if we don't do it this time, uh, tomorrow, no dessert or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And usually the kid just goes right. It's the times where we blow up and we're like, oh crap! I knew I shouldn't have done that." Now I fit. Now I'm guilted. Now I'm shamed. And the final thing I'll say is this: Listen, you're human. You're human. Okay. You're even if you take my master class on patience, that doesn't make you bulletproof. The last module that in the, in that course is what's called the after action review. I give you several different things to do to do throughout the day that actually builds resilience and doesn't deplete it. And a lot of times when we lose our patience, it's like, wait a second, what did I miss? Oh, I checked my phone in the morning. I saw that my, my 401k dropped by you know 8%. That didn't make me happy. I shouldn't have done that. Okay, lesson learned. I'm not going to do that. But we are human. And the worst thing we can do is what I call should on ourselves. I shouldn't have done that. I should be better. Shouldn't I be a better father? Like If, you, if the word should is in your sentence, you're, you're self-sabotaging. Just take it out. So don't take a big steaming pile of should all over yourself in any way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, that wasn't something else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's incredible, man. It's as you said, we are human, and I think men can be extremely self-critical of themselves when they do fail or when they do make a mistake or create some sort of misjudgment on behalf of their kids or, or in general we're very critical of ourselves but again i think a lot of this does come back to uh, childhood and conditioning and um not having that sort of uh, level of compassion as a as a child if you if you failed your grades as a as a kid you know there was there was no sort of uh um compassion from from your parents from my perspective anyway it's like we're very disappointed in you i was like wow that's that hurts and you internalize it's it's again how all this is internalized from childhood and you, and we're disappointed in you then translates into oh i'm a disappointment oh i'm not good oh i'm not good enough you know what so uh, you you sort of give up on yourself and i think this is relatable to myself and a lot of the men i work with so we we hold a lot of the uh, of of these criticisms and rejections from the past, which is which is, has has been the premise of my my latest book and um, dealing with rejections from the past and how we can let go of that to uh, move forward towards uh, yeah more become more fulfilled than ourselves. So there's um, there's a lot in that, and even as I said, I've got those practices. I I'm up early, coffee journal is the first thing I do, and then there's the workout in the gym um and then there's usually a dip in the sea or, or a cold shower so like those are my that's my checklist for the morning time before i like yourself check my phone or check in with the world it's as i said check in with yourself before you check in with the world and if you're okay and if you've, you've got yourself set up for the day then you can deal with whatever challenges coming your way after that but if you're get, just getting up as you said uh, having the phone in the room because you need it needed for an alarm that's something i speak to the men about all the time do you bring your phone into the bedroom yes i do uh, why because i need it for an alarm okay going by a fucking alarm clock so you don't need to bring your phone into the room switch that thing that thing yeah. off an hour before bed pick up a book uh, minimize light exposure you're you're going to improve the quality of your sleep you get it next, get up the next morning you're going to be bouncing out of bed highly energized and do not look at that thing until you get you know, a couple of things done for yourself in the morning. Set yourself up for the day before you uh, open up that phone. So, but yeah, the point is even with my consistency and my routine, uh, yeah, as you said, I'm human. Sometimes I'm up and I might get two of those things done and I'm checking my phone because, you know what, I've got work to do here. I've got to get stuck into this. And I've been maybe falling behind on something. I need to catch up on it. So, And then I can catch it straight away. The day just isn't the same. My mood isn't the same. I'm a little bit more on edge with the kids or on edge. I'm not usually on edge with the kids, but I'm on edge whenever I haven't ticked those boxes off in the morning. So a lot of this again comes back to self-awareness and just saying, okay, what happened today? What's going on? Like, why am I, why am I a little bit more agitated today? Why am I a little bit more, why is my mood all over the place? Reflect. Okay. I did exit it. Why? Okay. We need to, you you need to go back and, Address that and bring that consistency back tomorrow. You know that that this doesn't work. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna be optimized, as you said, as you go to the day, and this is gonna have a negative impact on on your kids, on your business, on your on your life as a whole. So, but you yeah, having some sort of compassion for yourself. You know, you've messed up. Don't don't make it worse by beating yourself up about it and absolutely crippling yourself completely to the point where you give up on it. It's like okay, you've messed up. Now it's you're not the mess up. Maybe your approach was a little bit was wrong, or your your approach could be improved. Now work on the approach, and everything will, will fall into place tomorrow. You, you can st- start again tomorrow. So, yeah, is is that something that you come across uh, an awful lot with the, with your with the guys you work with? Is just this sort of uh, self critical loop that they fall into on a regular basis when they mess up. I don't even like yeah, to so, myself,
1: but yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, A lot of it has to do with, uh, being, I mean, men are very self-critical creatures, right? And the, the problem with that is that, so I, I, I mentioned earlier, the quality of your life depends on the quality of the questions you're asking, not only other people, but yourself. So you've, you've really got a gut check that, um, you know, I'll refer back to Mark Devine, right? Mark Divine, um, he, he's he's a good friend. I've had him on the podcast now. Gosh, I think four times. Uh, every time he writes a new book, I have him on. But he's really big. He's really into uh, this theory of what he calls the the fear wolf and the courage wolf. I don't know if you ever know that parable of the fear wolf and the courage wolf, but it's there's there's two wolves that reside in us as men, actually as humans. But for for your case and your podcast and us, right? It's it's your it's men. There's, there's the fear wolf and basically the wolf's food, the fear wolf's how he eats and survives is he thrives off fear. He thrives off really poor questions. He thrives off anxiety. He thrives off of worry, right? That's, that's how you're feeding the fear wolf. The courage wolf thrives off of, thrives off of love, um, confidence, uh, asking better questions those types of things. So like, for instance, I'll give you an example feeding the fear wolf looks like, why can't I be a better father? Why can't I be a more patient father? Why can't I make more money? Why can't I be more fit? You know, why is life always, always challenging me so much? Why can't things be better? <laughs> it's like this endless loop of like, why can't, why can't I It's it, or any other poor question, our brains, they're just like Google whatever you put in that search bar, Google's going to go chase you down the answer. That's what it's programmed to do. Well, our brain is the exact same way. And a lot of times our subconscious is asking these really poor default questions to ourselves. It's kind of like these really poor default questions like, how was your day? That doesn't provide any depth, right? When you're asking yourself a question of why can't I be a more patient father? Well, guess what? All this dialogue and the story that we live by and that we tell it, We're like, listen, we are a walking, talking conversation with ourselves. That's what it means to be a human being. So when we're asking questions like, why can't I be a more patient father? Your are story that comes back to you is going to be like, oh, well, let me search for that. Okay. You, you don't, you want to know why you're not a more patient father is because you're really not in shape. You're really frustrated with yourself. You've gone through a lot of trauma. You know, you were a failure when it came to school. You had to work your ass off to make good grades you don't really have the greatest paying job. So-and-so makes more money than you has a, has a lower, uh, lower classified job than you do yet somehow makes more money than you. Um, you know, it's all these, it's this dialogue, it's this conversation, it's this story and like how life is against me. And it all started from a question that we quietly asked ourselves that no one else heard. I'm a big fan of the, how might I question? How might I? The how might I question is a more purposeful question. So like, for instance, if you're like, why can't I be a more patient father? Now, immediately, if I ask the other question, which is how might I be a more patient father? You put that in the search bar of Google, Google's going to find you t- ways to be more patient. And just like our mind is just going to be like, well, hey, let me, let me go figure that out. Hang on. So if you want to be a more patient father, um, maybe we should get in some, some daily exercise. Maybe it would be best if we have family dinners together. Maybe it'd be best if I, you know, improved the intimacy with my wife, which means I should probably take her out on a date night sometime over this week or next. I need to schedule that. Like these are, these are the conversations that come up and the foundation of that conversation is the question. So if you're, what the advice that I would tell you is that, especially with self-sabotage because self-sabotage is a cyclical loop that never ends, never ends. And it never ends because we keep asking ourselves the same question and then we keep having the same conversation. So in order to break the cycle of self-sabotage, you've got to ask yourself different questions. The other thing too is most of us are so focused on the here and the now and the right now. We don't think about, hey, if I was, so right now I'm 46, if, I'm, if, if I wanna create the life that I want what in, in the next five years. Like if I'm gonna fast forward, I'll be 51. What am I celebrating that's been most meaningful to me? And I'll sit there and I'll think about like, how old are my kids gonna be in five years? How old is my wife gonna be? How, how long are we gonna be married at that point? What am I gonna be celebrating? And then you start thinking about like all these things, like I'd like to do that. I wanna create this memory. I wanna have this experience with these kids. I wanna have this memory with my wife. I want to, and then this is the type of person I wanna to evolve to, right? And these are the things I'm going to have to learn if I want to do that. Now, once you've understood like, Hey, that's where I'm going. Okay. Now that's clear to me. That's where I want to go. Okay. Now let me work backwards and go get it. Right. Cause most of us are so we, we fall into this loop and we do the same thing every day, every day, every day. And we're like, why is my life not changing? I see this all the time when guys join the Alliance, right? you know we always do these these monthly check-ins with them we send them emails like hey how was the last month how was the last 60 days how, you know and we get these we get these emails like oh my god like i feel like i finally have the answers to the life i've wanted to create it. and not i mean not not all members say that stuff right but 98% of them do and a lot of times it's just really understanding like hey what person am i involving into and what do i need to learn to go do it and then i'm going to go do it but we get so stuck in the here and now, and the things that are fighting us and challenging us, and then we sabotage just over and over and over.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: break the loop, break the pattern, break the loop. Yep.
0: Yeah, asking new questions—it's new questions. It's questions. Make, make a change or stay the same, isn't it? So, yep. making that change could be uh, joining the Data Edge Alliance, perhaps for some of these <laughs> listeners. And uh, it does sound like great work you're doing there, and. Yeah, man, this has been an incredible conversation with you and full of insight, full of value for each and every listener here. Uh, Dads, dads to be, whoever's listening uh, can relate to to this. And is there anything that you can bring to these men or, or some sort of insight you can bring to these men who perhaps just feel like they can do or become more but are just stuck, don't know where to go, what to do, what to change, of course you've given the information but it's in the application that's where the that's where the magic happens that's where the real change happens so what what could be that be that defining shift between okay now i've got the information how do i apply it or is there some sort of a, an incentive or insight you can give them to, to take that for first step that next step
1: yeah sure i mean i i think it's important to simply just identify where you're at as a man. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to describe real quickly here, the three types of men, and there's no guilt or shame. Like, listen, I've lived in all three of these camps, all three of them. And you know, there's some of, you know, two of them are not the prettiest places to be. Right. But, but I'll, I'll show you how to, I'll tell you how to bridge the gap because there is an easy way the the first type of man out there, the, the first of three is the victim. Okay. The victim is going to tell you why they can't be successful. Right. And they're going to talk about their past and their background and their baggage and why they can't. And, you know, their mom did this, their dad did that, you know, and they were, you know, my story was I, my dad thing and all that, and I was overweight and I was, I was bullied and all that, blah, blah, blah. So not only that, that, that they're a victim of why they can't do things, but then they'll actually subconsciously look for proof. It's really interesting. So like, for instance, if you're like, I'm not like, I, <laughs> I have to laugh. I literally had this happen with, with a guy who applied for the Alliance. And I told him that he couldn't join after I talked to him. And here's why, cause he just wasn't ready for it. So he got on a call with me after he applied and he's just like, I'm just an angry person. I'm like, you that's how you like, you're identifying yourself as an angry person. Basically he was, he's a victim and he's identifying I'm a victim. I'm a victim of my anger. And I'm like, how do you explain that you're an angry person to like, I'm, I'm, I have anger issues. I'm an angry person. He's like, why? It's actually in my genetics. It's actually in my blood. It's actually in my DNA because my father had anger issues. His father had anger issues. And then his father had anger issues. So I have anger issues. And I'm like, and I looked at him. I said, you honestly believe that? And he's like, yeah, I, I've proven it like over and over. Like I, I did this to my kid and I did that to my wife and I like, literally was giving me the proof, right? And I was like, listen, man, I want us to cut you open, right? And we'll do an exploratory surgery of your brain. And I want you to show me where these genetic anger issues lie, if they're there. He's like, well, no, they're there. I was like, no, 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 you think that they're there. And he and I went back and forth. It was the first guy out of hundreds that, has, that I argued with him. I said, listen, you're, well, you're not ready for this. The victim will tell you why they can't. And then they'll give you the proof why they can't. Then there's the content zombie. Now the content zombie is tired of being the victim, and now they're the ones who go out and consume <laughs> 15 hours of podcasts a week, which I think is great. I when I finally drew a line in the sand, that's what I did. I was like, "Dude, give me all the audiobooks, all the podcasts I can possibly, all the YouTube videos I can possibly consume. The more I consume, the better. The more consume, I get better." And here's what happens with the content zombie they learn a thing or two and they're like, oh, okay, I got that idea and I got that idea and I got that idea and that idea I feel good, I feel really good. But then they'll look at their life and they're like, not much is really changing though. Like, I don't know, I, I, I know better and I have great ideas and I have good insight, but nothing's changing the way I want it to. And that's where you get to the third man, which is the executor. The executor is like, I'm no longer gonna be the victim. I've gotten, I've spent enough time being a content zombie. I want to take now one of these ideas, one of these strategies, I'm going to go do them. I'm actually going to go do it, right? That's the executor. So for men, what the first thing I would tell you to do, and like, listen, I lived for like 30 freaking years, man, in the victim camp. And then I lived for like four in the content zombie. And then after that, I was like, nope, I'm just now I'm an execute. I actually identify myself as an executor. It's part of my identity. So- not to say every, every day is sunshine and rainbows, but that's what, how I identify. So I, I would tell your men, identify where you're at. And that might give you some clarity on like, if your life doesn't look the way you want it to, maybe you're living your life in the camp. And the other thing too, is you can actually be living your life in different camps. So maybe your marriage is in victim camp, and but your business life is executor. Or maybe your fitness is executor, but your parenting is content zombie right so you really take a look at these elements of your life and decide where you're at whatever has your attention the most and like like i said for us in the alliance it's guys who are married guys who want to create an extraordinary marriage most guys are like okay i not only need the information but i need the tactic i need to go understand how to go do this now that's what needs to be done so when you ask like what's the difference between the success and and the not so successful is identifying where you're at and then identifying the strategy that you can be held accountable to do it. The last and final thing I'll say is this. This is actually proven statistically. There's actually been studies on it. The American, I think it's the American Society, the, the American Society of Coaching Academy. I think that's, that's, that's the whole, that's the organization. They did a study on this, on goals, accountability, outcomes, success. If you have an idea of something that you want to do, call it fitness in in your in your world and a lot of mine too. You have an idea, you're like, I am going to lose 10 pounds in the next 60 days. Now you having the idea gives you a 10% success rate. Right? 10%. That's it. Now, if I go tell somebody, hey, Gavin, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds in 60 days. Well, now I just increase that to 25%. Now, if I tell you, hey, Gavin, um, I am going to lose. 10 pounds. Well, actually I already gave the timestamp. So I apologize. The timestamp is what gets you to 40%. So I'm going to lose 60. I mean, there's 10 pounds in 60 days that gets me to 40%. And I told you now what happens is if I, let's just say I hire you or you're my friend and I'm like, Hey, Gavin, every Friday, I want you to check in with me. And I need you to remind me to send to, for me to send you my weight. Okay. My scale weight. If I do that, My success rate of losing that 10 pounds goes to 95% because I had an idea, I told somebody about it, I made it time sensitive, and I most importantly, I created a cadence, a cadence with someone to check in with me, not at the end, but during the journey. I'm gonna have a 95% success rate of doing it because I, I have to answer to somebody, right? So keep that in mind, that if you wanna go from content, if you wanna go from idea to execute to success, you've got to be held accountable, right? And that's one of the things obviously we do in our community is hold people accountable. And you don't need to be a part of our community to be held accountable. Go get an accountability partner that cares about you, right? That will help a ton. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I think ultimately understanding that you you can't do it on your own you know this this sort of uh you know the, i know we've spoken about the lone wolf syndrome as well but you know that's where a man's ego and pride gets in the way an awful lot and you know that that's that that is the reluctance then to ask for help or to ask for any guidance because hey i don't need any help i've got this you know i'm the man i'm strong but as you have clarified yeah um you're not strong you're very weak and you will lose your way here and f- most likely fail uh, on your goal and your mission so Surround yourself with good people. Bring in an accountability accountability partner, or you know, understand the value of a coach or a mentor, even. And that's going to give you every single chance to of, of succeeding, a ninety five percent chance of of succeeding. So that's huge. So, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Larry. This has been incredible. Thank you. And uh,
1: you it, man. This was fun.
0: Where uh, where can everyone find you? Reach out to you. Get in touch.
1: Yeah. Everything you can find out, everything we're doing over at the dad edge, uh, dad edge.com, the dad uh, all, all social media is the dad edge. Uh, we have a big, you know, if you're not ready for our mastermind, Hey, that's dude, that's totally fine. We actually have a big free group with thousands of guys and it. it's called the dad edge real dads with purpose. Um, if you, if you go to our podcast tab on our website, the forward slash podcast, or you just go to our nav bar in every single podcast, there's a link, for that, for that group. Um, you can be a part of that. That's just a group where guys just ask questions and we have conversations, nothing, no zoom links, no mastermind, no content, just a place where, where men can set up shop and ask questions. And I got to tell you, man, that's a group of just really high integrity. And it's because we police that group pretty darn closely. So there's no trollers. There's no people trying to sell you like their network marketing. There's no one who's blasting you like guys come to that group and they ask some Deep questions, man. And it's awesome. I love it. And, and and the amount of support they get there is great. And then, of course, if you're ready for that next level, um, Dadage Alliance, you know, you can go to the dadage.com forward slash alliance. We do have to, we we do make men fill out an application first. It doesn't take long, just a few minutes, but it just really helps us get to know you and where you're at and really what's on your mind and heart and what you want to go to work on.
0: Brilliant work, Larry. Um, I'm going to pop the, the links for all that in the show notes. So go check those out, everyone. And, uh, Until next time, I'll certainly have you back on again because I do have a feeling there's a lot more value to be gained from conversations with yourself, Larry. So until next time, thank you so much.
1: Back at you, man. Cheers.